HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, road trippers, you have indeed reached Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. But before we can take off on this week's road trip, we need to fill up the tank, which is code for pay the bills, which is code for run the commercials for the folks who are enabling us to go on these agave road trips. So sit back and Chava and I will circle back to you in a second. The Big Food Question is partnering with TD Bank on five special episodes about the resilience of small businesses in the face of a constantly shifting pandemic landscape. We cover avenues for accessing grants, loans, and financial services through federal and local government programs, as well as via nonprofits. We examine the benefits worker cooperatives present to workers, communities, and our food system, and share resources to learn more about operating under this model. We're talking to business owners who started pop-ups and became permanent during the pandemic to see what we can learn. Don't miss these episodes. Subscribe to The Big Food Question wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to TD Bank for supporting this programming. Monstru de Agua Blanca de Maguey Theater is recorded before an audience that is made up of 30% sugars of the uncooked sap of the agave, also known as agua miel, the stuff used to make pulque. you notice how weird that announcer is getting, Lou? I've noticed a lot of weirdness, Chava, not least of which is Maya well spending so much time hanging out with Ajaloto. It is so weird that God of Agave will be attracted to a kind, benevolent, cute little fellow who can make a beer by fermenting the sugars. 30% of the sugars? Right. 30% of the fermentable sugars coming from the cooked sap of agave? I'm the god of agave, so of course I would love the genius that made Monstro de Agua Blanca de Maguey beer. But didn't we just record five ads where you wanted to destroy Ajolot of Mayawell for doing that very thing? What what thing is that exactly, Chava? You know, Lou, Monstro de Agua makes a beer where 30% of the fermentable sugars come from the uncooked sap of the agave. The, uh, the stuff they use to make pulque? Yes, Lou. The same agua-miel that's used to make pulque. No! How could I possibly have a problem with that? Ah, don't pay Chava any mind, Maya. Well, he may be the smartest co-host of Agave Road Trip, but that's a pretty low bar to begin with. Speaking of bars... Yes! Let's go have 
have a drink to celebrate our engagement. Engagement? But, but... Uh, I know what you're going to ask, hermano. But what will we drink? Agave spirits or Monstruo de Agua Blanca de Maguey? A beer fermented with 30% of the sugars coming from the sap of the uncooked agave. By chance. They go great together. You want to find out how well they go together? Visit MontreuxDeAgua.com to find out how to stock Blanca de Maguey at your bar or restaurant. And while you're doing that, strap yourself in for another episode of Agave Road Trip. I am Luke Bank. I am Chava Perivan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And today, young Chava, today, young Chava, I have a question for you. Okay. I'm, I'm ready. I am very ready. Shoot. When mezcal comes in a beautiful bottle, does it come in a beautiful bottle because it is an ugly mezcal? W- what kind of logic is this? Yeah, I think the problem is you're a marketing guy. And That's I think exactly your, the problem. I, I think in your world, if something looks nice, it's because it's trying to justify its crappiness, right? Well, is, that, is that what yeah, marketing is for? Yes and no. You know, I think I think there's um I think that that can often be the case. And, you know, I certainly for the longest time thought that was the case uh with Mescal. I, I I think I maybe have told this story on the podcast already, but I assume that nobody listens to us for more than one episode. <laughs> so, you know, so I'll say it again, where I used to see these beautiful bottles of mezcal in Mexico City, hand-painted bottles, and I thought, that must be the worst crap ever. And uh, and so one day my friend here in Chicago, who has nothing to do with agave, agave spirits, uh, but uh, he ended up marrying a, a young lady from Mexico City. And so I was out to dinner with them here in Chicago and I'd been, it's weird. I'd been having dinner with them many times. I'd known them for years. And one day out of the blue, she says to me, Lou, have I ever told you that one of my oldest friends has a mezcal brand and it's the best mezcal? (laughs) And how many people have told you that? Probably a hundred. Except for the oldest friend part. But yes, like everybody who knows a mezcal, it's the best mezcal. And so, you know, of course, like she's a sweetheart and I, I like them. So I just, oh, that's great. You know, what brand is it? I'd be happy to grab a bottle. She says, it's El Tigre Mezcal. And immediately I flashed back on that beautiful bottle and I thought, well, I've done it again. I'm going to have to buy a bottle of something that I'm not going to like, which is fine. You know, I've done that and you turn it into vinegar and it's delicious vinegar. But uh, I, I, she connects me to her friend Raquel. And uh, I make the arrangements to wire money over to them. And I grab the bottle the next time in Mexico City. And it is freaking delicious. It is as beautiful as the bottle itself is beautiful. Yes. And I think that's not an uncommon experience, actually. I I will claim that, you know, a, a lot of these communities where these agave spirits are made, they are very conscious about... They're about beauty and and the products that that 
represent that beauty to them. <laughs> so no, oh, 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 Java. What? I'm sorry. What communities are you talking about? Are you talking about the communities where we drive away with all of our agave spirits in one and a half liter plastic water bottles? Well, are those the communities you're talking about? Yes, and I will say that in many of these places, uh, there's. Like, you know, certain parts of their culture have been preserved, being agave spirits, and other parts of their culture <laughs> have been lost, unfortunately. So I think they, I mean, dude, they used to have some of the most beautiful clay containers in the world to keep some of you these know, things. I, I, I completely agree. The, the beautiful black clay or those those beautiful hand-blown garifones. I mean, you know, anytime I see one of those in Oaxaca, if it's $50 or less U.S., you're a sting- I'm picking it you're up. A sti- you're a stingy man. $50 or less? What? This should be like $1,000. Just stingy, just stingy <laughs> okay, green should be, but you can find them for fifty bucks or less. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you never know. Like, has somebody urinated in them? So you just don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so but but um, what? Uh, I really wonder if those beautiful hand blown glass garifones and those beautiful black clay vessels, while we see them as beautiful now, if they were seen as beautiful back in the day, or if they were just seen as utilitarian. Have you ever been able to buy one of those old pieces from a mescalero? Like the glass, they they're more prompt to yeah. sell, but the clay, the clay, they, I, you know, I I can only remember seeing the clay vessels twice that have been in the family for that long. But again, I don't think it's the beauty. I think, and maybe I'm kidding myself, but I think it has more to do with this is a family heirloom. My my great great grandfather who made agave spirits used to drink out of this. Not like it's the most beautiful thing in the world, but rather. It's what my family has been drinking out of for a hundred years. So no, you can't have it, Gringo. Yeah, yeah, but but I also think that it's, uh, it 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 makes it makes them happier every time they sin. But again, like we're specu- we're speculating <laughs> about something that we don't have the like the the credentials to be speculating about. I believe. Right. The important point for me is that the fact that most of people like you think that yeah, usually in the communities these agaves are going to be found in less than pretty containers. It's something new, and it's the product of them having lost a part of their heritage. Do you want to offer beautiful, authentic Mexican textiles or ceramics to your customers, but don't know where to get them? I've got a solution for that. What's that solution, you say? Not what, but who? The answer is Chava. Or maybe... Maybe you want to start a mezcal brand, but don't know where to source your spirits. Same answer, Java. Already have a brand, Java. Want to build a more efficient distillery, Java. That honors Mexican tradition, Java. That leaves a smaller carbon footprint, Java, 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 Java. For the Mexican solution to all your gringo problems, head to Chava, Chava, Chava dot com. That's C H A V A, C H A V A, C H A V A dot com, and tell him Lou sent you. The fact that we go and buy in plastic bottles, it's just a consequence of plastic and metals and chip containers destroying a whole part of the craft industry that used to be there. Yeah, the, the same way beer destroyed a lot of the traditions of pulque, in a lo- like, you know, like the cheaper products destroyed the nicer, beautiful products that were made by a community. You know, you're going to really upset our friend Ajojotle 
You're going to really upset our friend Ahaloto with that kind of language, you know, saying the beer destroyed pulque. Anyway, that's another story. (laughs) But uh, before we uh, diverge too far from the topic, we've got a great quote I'd like to share from Roberto Bernasconi from OAX. How would you pronounce that, John? Wax. I'll say wax. You like I would I would call it OAX, you'd call it wax, but then again, you know, I would call it agave mishtape and you would call it what? Agave mixtape. How do you pronounce mixtape? Agave mixtape? Mishtape. Yeah. Mishtape. Shout out to Ben. <laughs> okay, anyway, we've got this beautiful quote from Roberto about exactly this issue. Okay. If we think about full efficiency or complete efficiency, which is what what the industries usually go for, like it would be like which is the one that pours the best? Which which one is the one that lets you see? Like they would all have marks that let you know how many ounces there are left. Like, and all the products would look the same, and we would live in a really flat uh, life or society where everything is uh, reduced to what's the most efficient. And I don't think our search goes for for the maximum efficiency. Mm-hmm. It goes for beauty. It goes for art. There and what we like about beauty, and it's kind of like the the guiding light in 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 our brand our company or our story is that beauty is su- subjective maybe it's something beautiful for me but it's not for you or 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 maybe you can find uh, beauty in elements where other people just don't see they just see something and you see beauty or beautiness i don't know so yeah that's that's one one of the things that sometimes you have to think about what you want to do, what you want to say, and and what's more important. And sometimes what's more important is not the most efficient thing, uh, thing for bartenders. I mean, not well, that, yes. And at the same time, I mean, I fully agree with him. I don't know, have you ever, I know, I love how much you love museums. And uh, have you? <laughs> <laughs> Sarcasm alert. Yeah. And I'm sure you've been to the Louvre. The, the be- I have actually. Yeah, yeah. So, I think one of my favorite fa- things in the Louvre are are the frames of the of the paintings. Like, of course, they have some of the most beautiful paintings in the world, but the frames are insanely beautiful. Huh. So, I, I I think in a way we're having that almost that sort of discussion. Yeah, and the, and the frame then got lost with modern and contemporary art, but during the Baroque era, Jesus Christ, they were they were as convoluted and as interesting as the, the piece that they were holding. So I think that thinking about the bottle in that same way, this is a bottle that it's containing one of the most complex spirits in the world. That bottle should be able to communicate that geomet- like through its geometry, no? Or or maybe I'm just crazy. I, I I think that is a lovely analogy, but I would also say that a bar <laughs> and a restaurant is a place of business. And and you know the the so Roberto's bottles are absolutely beautiful, and I believe they were even designed by an architect. Is he an architect? I can't remember. No, they're, they're designers, and I loved having the conversation with them when we had the the, the interview because they even the, the box of their bottle they realized that silk screening it's a it's a it's a very well we have a long tradition of silk screening in Mexico, and you can find extremely good mm-hmm. artisans in that craft. So they. Went to great lengths to find the good guy for seal screening. They went to great lengths to find the good tints to have good colors. So they made a yeah. yeah they, they they're just obsessive compulsive kids that really went to length trying to to find. 
which I which I love in terms of putting something on my well. I don't have a mantle putting something in my basement. <laughs> like I love it. I love it in terms of having something to put on the table when friends come over. That's just absolutely stunning. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I love it from that standpoint, but I feel like maybe, maybe this is sort of the conversation uh, that brings us back to the idea of what kind of agave spirits do you carry in your bar? Because if you're just focused on efficiency and you're thinking about like you're thinking about cocktails and you want a very simple one liter uh, glass bottle in your well that's easy to pick up and and empty out and it's affordable mm-hmm. to make an affordable cocktail, like that's one thing. But then the artisanship of it is another thing. Yeah, but as you're saying, right? there's there are two different things. They are poured and presented and. And used in very different ways. You, one of these bottles where a shot costs $40, you're not going to be taking that and pouring it as fast as you can 25, 30 times an hour. It's right. it's a different, right. like you you want to put the, t- the bottle on the table. You want to tell a tiny little bit of story. You want to, you know, it, it's a different relationship. And I think that that gives place to both options. Hmm. No? Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I like that. So if I'm a gringo bartender and I don't really have that crowd coming in, right, that's going to drop $40 on a, a single neat pour of an agave spirit, you know, maybe it doesn't work for me to have one of these fancy bottles like uh, like something from OAX or something from... Uh, no, no, no. But, but uh, I, also, I, I also think, you know, you... you, you why, why not? Because because I don't have somebody who's going to come in and drop forty dollars at a shop. But if I do, like if I'm if I'm working at, I mean, this reference won't mean anything to you. But if I'm working at Cindy's Rooftop here in Chicago, right? Like there are people who are going to come out on a on a Thursday afternoon and they're going to want to have really expensive drinks, and they're exactly the crowd that would go for this. Yeah, but even if you don't have anyone that's going to buy that, I just think that the fact that that exists in your place gives a hint of the full potential of something. You know, like, like I, I, huh. I, uh, it helps to tell more of the story just through the packaging. Yes, and, and which kind of oh, that's interesting. Which kind of gets back to the conversation we had about Marco. Like he was telling a story in a different way on his labels, it, right? Where he's delineating who made it, where they made it, what they made it with, how they cooked the agave, how they like all of that. That's one way to tell a story. But then, and, and even if you don't fully understand it, even if the consumer it's it's confused by it, it sparks your imagination. I, I think I don't know about you, but I get so bored in my life usually going to places and seeing the same stuff over and over and over again. Like I hate feeling like I know everything. You know, like if I go to a place where there's something that that confuses me or sparks my imagination anyway, even if I don't know in which way sparking my imagination, I get excited. I want to know a little bit more about that. And even if I don't buy that, even if I end up drinking the same thing that I've always drank, it just get, yeah. you gave me something that I did not have. No, like, like I... Okay, well, I... No, I think I think that's okay. I think I think that is actually an excellent point. So, if you're a gringo bartender and Chava Periban is one of your customers, you definitely want to get you want to get your agave spirits in fancy bottles. And if not, if you just run a tavern where people they just want their rumple mints, hey, you're gonna be fine without it. Is that the conclusion? No, it's not the conclusion. The conclusion is no? I think there's great potential 
on rephrasing how we present agave spirits. And the bottles that we have, I think they're just the beginning of what should be starting to happen. I think there's great opportunities for experimenting with materials, with shapes, with labels, with ways in which we don't only make justice to the beauty of mezcal, but we expand its potential. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. No. That's a that's a much prettier conclusion. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> okay, Java. I think we'll I think we'll wrap it with that then. <laughs> okay. See ya, Vato. Adios. Hasta pronto. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Peribán. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.